you could have five minutes with your younger self, what would you listen for? Children have a perspective on life that is very simple. They are open-minded, genuine, and kind. They also often teach us more about ourselves than we teach them. Welcome to season three of In Pursuit called If You Could Have Five Minutes with Your Younger Self. May this season bring out your inner child. Hello, 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 and welcome back to In Pursuit. I am your host, Lisa, and thank you so much for joining me today. If I sound overly excited, it's because I am. I just had the coolest conversation with my cousin Cadence. That's a tongue twister, coolest conversation with my cousin Cadence. Okay, anyways, but we just sat down and really talked about what it was like for her moving, her adjusting to a new school system, injustices in Kenya, how they parallel in America, and it was seriously so, so cool and insightful, and she just shared so much wisdom. It was amazing, and I'm not going to talk too much about it. You just have to go and listen to it yourself. So without further ado, this is 5 Minutes with Cadence. Hello. Hi. (laughs) What is your name and your age, and what year are you going to in school this fall? Uh, My name is Katie. I am 12 years old, and this fall I'm going to grade 7. And what was grade six like? How was that transition into middle school? I think it was really fun, but also it wasn't easy because when I was going to sixth grade, I was actually moving from Ethiopia to Kenya. So it was new to me. And, you know, the way that they did the curriculum here in Kenya is different from the way we did at it. So it was really new to me, actually. What was the worst part about moving from Ethiopia to Kenya and into a different school system? Of course, one thing you'd miss is your friends, but also I think the hard thing would be getting used to the new things I have to get used to. Like, the schools are two very different things. Like, the one in Ethiopia we had was an international one, and this one is in Kenya. So there's some things that they have to change, of course. I guess I just wasn't used to the way that they did things and I was cranky about it, like um, how they had a different library or they didn't have extracurricular activities like like what we would have in Ethiopia. So that was hard to adjust to, yeah. And what were you involved in in Ethiopia outside of school? I I was in a soccer team, actually. We played a lot of games. I guess outside of school, it was more of going out with friends and because in Addis it's not a very small it's a small community so you can know a lot of people from there mm-hmm. so outside of school is more of socializing and hanging out with people you miss that aspect of like life or how has it been in Nairobi I guess not because it's a bigger city than Addis it's more to adjust to when, you know, it's way more busy because Addis was quiet and peaceful, but now it's more busy, like, especially when you're going to school. And before COVID happened, you have to take different routes just to get to school and avoid traffic because we just live two minutes away from school in Addis, but now we live at least 30 minutes. But because of traffic, we get there in like an hour and we have to wake up at like five. Yeah, so it's definitely hard to adjust to that. What's a piece of advice you'd give to someone maybe listening to this who's going through change? 
I think a piece of advice I'll give them is to be open because this happens all the time and that you just have to stay positive because if you stay negative, then of course your state and your new country will become worse. So like your perspective is going to be different depending on how you are open to receiving it? Oh, yeah. When you're moving to Ethiopia the first time, how do you think that was different from when you're moving back to Nairobi? Um, I think the difference was because we were moving to Ethiopia, a place where we knew nobody and they were so new to it. And it was, I was really young, actually. I was like four years old. So I can remember some parts from it. And also finding a place to stay, to stay took us a while. And also finding the right people took us a long time. And then now moving here was much more easier because our family is here. So it's going to be easier to make new friends. And we also had a bunch of our old friends from the past who lives here now. Mm-hmm. So I think making friends was easier here rather than in Ethiopia because it's a whole new culture and there's so many new perspectives that you're looking at. But here in Kenya, it's like coming back home. Since you had just like your immediate family, you're surrounded by them most of the time. Do you think that made you guys closer as a family? Yeah, definitely. Because um, in most of our stay in Ethiopia, people would have to take time to buy the ticket and plan what day they're coming. But now that we're closer to family, we definitely get to spend more time together, which is really nice. And what was it like being surrounded by people who are in such a different like culture than what you previously knew? It's not that hard to adjust to because we still know some of the culture, but um, it also took us some time to get used to this one because we lived seven years in Addis, so we got so used to the culture and all this. But now that we're in a new one, it took us a bit of time to adjust to it. Mm-hmm. What is something you would say to someone like trying to make friends or trying to find like a good group of people to surround themselves with? I think the experience was that was kind of hard because I'm not the type of person who would be brave enough to go up to someone and ask them what's their name and stuff. I'm actually a very quiet and shy person when I'm around people who I don't know, especially like in the first day of school. It was actually one of my friends who approached me because I was just sitting there. I'm more of a quiet person rather than being the person who would go up to someone. But um, I think making friends here were easier because by the time we got here, we were getting used to the culture already. It was really quick, actually. Mm -hmm. But making friends was kind of difficult, actually. I was a very quiet person the first week of school. Do you think it got better as you got adjusted into more going into the school year? It definitely got more easier, actually, um, getting to know more people because now, you know, you're getting used to the feel of it. And then now, like, you can simply just make friends easier. So, yeah, it actually got easier. Mm -hmm. What are some big issues that you've noticed, like, contrasting Ethiopia and Kenya, just issues within, like, each of the individual nations? I think these two nations are actually very different. Um, Ethiopia is um, more of a chill country. There's not much you need to worry about. But in Kenya, it's a busy, outgoing city that you, like, people have their own things to worry about. Mm -hmm. So, like, you have to deal with your own problems. So I think that's 
like something that's very different between those two. Have you noticed anything in either of them that you'd really want to change or you'd really want to advocate for? I think in Ethiopia, something I want to change is how low developed it is. If you compare it with Kenya, it's actually very different. And in Kenya, something I definitely want to change is the corruption in the government because so many problems are having to be caused because of certain people in the government. Because like now, this nation is just in a very confusing time at the moment because of the corrupt people in the government and how the citizens are choosing people based on where they're from and which um, like county they come from. So that's something like that really annoys me. And what's your standpoint on that? I think what people should be doing instead is actually choosing them based on who they are rather than where they're from because um, sometimes people they choose them because they're from the lower tribe or the Kikuyu and because there's some people in the government who are not good and they're both from the same um, community, it makes the people think that, oh, if we're going to vote this person, they're obviously going to act the same way as this person did. And so something that should change is that people should be voting based on the person and who they are and how they will serve the country rather than where they're from. Do you think that there's some parallels between how, say, there's that um, distinction between white people and African-Americans here in America versus like which tribe you're from in Kenya and how people treat you based on maybe what tribe you're from and over here it's the color of your skin? Yeah, I think those two definitely relate because here, like, if you're from a tribe that is said as, like, a bad tribe or one that has hurt a lot of people, then they think that you're the same person, even though you may be a whole different person. Just like how in America, how they say, oh, um, just because this Black person, like, committed a crime, that means all of them are criminals. So I think those two definitely relate. And um, I definitely should, I definitely think that that shouldn't count based on your color of skin or where you're from. Yeah, that's awesome. And it's interesting to see those parallels because sometimes like here we associate it so much with the color of your skin or which country you're from. But it's interesting to know like within even a nation where everyone is black, there's still that distinction because of like your tribe. What is something that you would tell those people in positions of power who are maybe making those corrupt decisions based on something that is preconceived? These people in the government are actually saying how much problem this country has, even though it's based on them. So something they should think about is um, what they can do instead of actually thinking about themselves, but rather than thinking of the country and how people feel about this. And I know that these issues have really pushed your older sister, Cindy, into wanting to go into like government and politics. Yeah, definitely pushed her to being more on the government and politics side. What about you? What would you like to be when you're older? I haven't really thought of what I want to be when I'm older, but I know what I want to do when I'm older. Like I want to make sure that I leave something from the community that I've been given. But I just don't know what I'm going to be at. I think knowing that value and knowing, like, this is what I want to leave and this is the impression I want to make, like, that's definitely applicable in so many different areas. So you're just going to have so many options come to you and you're going to be able to choose, like, which one is where you want to be left. What do you think college is like? I think college is like the 
type of students they get, like based on not only their academics and how they've done, but also of what they want their future to be and um, also of the type of person they are. Like they may be a straight A student, but this student may also have a bad attitude or may just have this type, um, yeah, like that. And they wouldn't obviously want, but I think colleges would want a student who is not only um, very committed to their work, but also is um, independent and knows what they want and also has hobbies. Yeah. And speaking of hobbies, what are some of yours? I have many hobbies, in fact. One of them is obviously drawing and painting. Another is baking and cooking. I have many hobbies, like also playing soccer, doing sports. Yeah. Do you think that that artistic side of you of like baking and painting has come out during the quarantine phases? It definitely has because the kitchen has now been full of different things I've baked, like cake or cookies. <laughs> yeah, so definitely. I pretty much have a whole desk full of paint and art and also many canvases that I've painted. So I think I've definitely had time to work on it during quarantine. Where do you think creativity should be positioned in our lives? Like, how do you make this space to be creative and what does that mean for you? I think creativity is a very good thing to have. It makes me feel very unique, I guess. And having the idea of coming up with something to paint on just a blank canvas is really cool. Like when I see artists who come up with the most beautiful things uh, as they're looking at something like a blank wall or a blank page is really cool. But I think creativity is a special thing that people can have and how like far you can go with creativity. Like you don't have to have a certain border that you can't pass. You can go as far as you want. I love that because I think I've always told myself like, oh, I cannot draw. I cannot. I'm not artistic. I can't dance. But at the end of the day, it's because people like you are putting in hours of practice. And of course, you're going to get better. So who is someone in your life that you admire most? There are many people that I admire in my life, but one of the people are my mom and my dad, my parents especially, because right now my dad's in a company he works for, for helping children who don't know how to read and write and can't afford school fees to help. So I think that's something that's really cool about him, how he is stepping into a job that helps other children and how it's how he's making a difference for other people and leaving a mark on them saying that, oh, this guy helped me learn how to read and write. And I think my mom teaches me what it means to be committed to something and also to stay on what you have. As some of you know that my mom has already written a book and I'm really proud of that and I'm happy that through the times that she's had ideas of this book, that she hasn't just given up on it, and that she's kept on going up to the publishing point. And that even though she had some trouble doing it, she still kept on going. And I really like that. Do you think you would want to write a book in the future? It depends, honestly, because I'm not the type of writing person. I'm more of the reading one. But um, it depends, yeah. 
on the topic of reading, what is your top book recommendation? I think one of my top book recommendations is Restart. It's a book by Gordon Corman, I think. Yeah, um, I really like that book, actually. I really enjoyed reading it. It's a really interesting, realistic fiction book. And um, yeah, it's about a kid who got a concussion from falling off his roof. And um, before he got the concussion, he was actually a bully to many people and he was and he hurt all these types of people. But now when he after he came out of the hospital, he has no idea how many people he hurt. So he's coming into the new school having no idea how many kids fear him. And so he's just trying to get what's going on. And it's a really nice book. Oh, it sounds very interesting. I would definitely leave that linked in the show notes because that sounds so cool. But you talked about earlier how your mom didn't give up on something that she wanted to do and she kept on persevering through writing that novel. Is there an example where you kind of felt like maybe this isn't what I should be doing, but you stuck with it and it ended up being very beneficial? I think that was the beginning of the time when I actually started to like painting. Because I remember the first time I painted on a canvas, it ended up looking really bad. And I'm like, should I really do this? Because, like, look how it turned out. It was really bad, and I really don't like it. So I think I had that time when I did it. But when I showed mom, she absolutely loved it, and she decided to frame it. (laughs) And then I'm like, wow, are you sure? So, um, yeah, she's definitely showed me that I should keep on going, even though that you don't think might be possible. Adding on to that, what role do supportive parents play in your motive to keep going and not wanting to give up? I think there are very big roles that they put in my lives, how they keep on making me go on, especially in academics and even in what I do. They support me the whole way through, even though I may get the worst grade in the world and feel like giving up. They're still there to support me and keep me going on from what I'm doing and improve. Because there's always room for improvement. Is there an issue that you see in your everyday life that you would like to talk about? I think another issue is also how the police brutality. It's been going on a lot in Kenya now these days because of people coming home late from curfew. Mm -hmm. There was another petition that happened from this guy who was 13 minutes late from curfew. And then he got beaten and he broke his nose. And I really think that there's no reason for police having to beat or even kill people because of something that they've done. Because they like thinking that just because they have a weapon, they have all the power and that they won't get in trouble for what they've done. But I think they should really start thinking about what this could do to the families or the person that they've hurt. Because there's really no reason to actually be beating people just because they're late for curfew or for something else. So for some people who may not um, know about the quarantine rules in Kenya, do you mind explaining like the curfew rules and how that is gone into police brutality? So in Kenya, they made a rule that you're supposed to be home by 9 p.m. And that also, just a week ago, they actually opened their borders. So now there are people that are allowed to come in. Um, These days, it was also made a rule that you can go to church, but you can't allow kids to go with you that are below 13. Mm -hmm. You can't allow 
um, adults that are over 59 to go either, and they're only allowed to be 100 people. Honestly, the curfew hours has led to police brutality because um, of how late people can come home and how um, at 9 p.m. is when the police start going around the roads checking if there's anyone there who's late after curfew trying to get home. And so I think the police thinking that they have all the power to do this to a person is just not right. And that they should actually start really thinking about how this could affect their job, actually, because they can get fired for hurting someone just because of something. Right. And how do you think that parallels with police brutality here and how some people aren't maybe facing repercussions after their crimes and just how that's represented in both the U.S. and in Kenya, but just in different ways? I think there's actually less police brutality in America, but they've definitely embraced it because of the Black lives. Like for the story about George Floyd, they heard him just because of his race, but there was really no reason in that because once again, the police thought they had power because they have a weapon or because of the job they're given. So I think those two relate both here, but just in different ways, like how um, in the U.S. it's for black lives, but here it's for people after curfew or just corrupt ones. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And how do you think we should just see everyone as equal depending on where you're at in life, your job, your position, whether you're in a position of power or whether you're someone who may be of lower class? How do you think everyone should be seen as equal? I think everyone should see us equal as by seeing the lives that we're facing because everyone has their own problems in life. So um, by doing all these crimes and making their lives harder is not going to help them at all. Instead, we should be supporting each other and staying together rather than saying, oh, just because I'm a different race, I'm better than you. Or just because I have a certain job, I'm better than you and I can do this to you. That's amazing, Katie. Thank you so much for just that different sort of perspective on the same issues that we see in America, but represented in Kenya. Mm -hmm. I think we talked about a lot. Is there anything else that you'd like to bring up and just share your perspective on? I think I'd like to share my perspective on the Black Lives Matter so far. And I think what has gone on so far has just been so ridiculous to me because honestly, I'm seeing all these petitions for um, people who have suffered like Breonna Taylor, um, George Floyd and other people. And I honestly think it's really unfair how these people have to get killed just because of their race. The one that really got me interested is the one for Breonna Taylor, how they said that the police came by accident even though like they could have just checked the address twice instead of just coming in and already shooting. Because normally what they would do is at least knock on the door instead of just barge in. Because I know like that's not normal for a police to do that. So I think the, for the Black Lives Matter, it's just been really unfair these days. And there's absolutely no um, reason why police should be doing these because of their race. I'm happy that the... Um, that the police department has at least taken a stand and fired these people. For some reason, it still hasn't fixed the problem for people being racist to others. And I really think the only way we can solve this is by actually thinking about us 
and thinking that the color of our skin shouldn't change the way we see people. Wow. Yeah. <laughs> Do you think you have seen any sort of prejudice actions towards you or anyone in your family when you lived in Ethiopia? I don't think so, actually, because Ethiopia, they're very welcoming when you come in. They're very welcoming, and they don't care who you are. They just want to get to know you and make you feel at home. So, like, that's why I enjoyed it for so much, yeah. What do you think about the phrase, I don't see color? I think, well, when someone says, I don't see color, I think of people saying that I don't care what color you are and I don't care how you look. I just care about who you are on the inside when you say mm -hmm. I don't see any color. And I think I re actually really like that phrase because it's saying that I don't care what type of color of skin you are, I just care about what you are on the inside. Mm -hmm. And I want to get to know you, so like I think that's what they mean when they say that. Thank you so much for just everything that you shared. It's such a unique perspective and I think literally everyone is going to get something big taken away from this episode. I'm happy you invited me. Do you have a favorite quote that you think you would like to end off with? Um, I think there's one quote. I don't remember the guy who said this, but I've always um, had this quote in my mind every time I'm struggling during school. It says that the biggest bar barrier to success is the fear of failure. So it means that if you're scared to fail, then that's literally the thing that will stop you from succeeding. And there you have it. That was my many minutes, more than five minutes spent with Cadence, but it was amazing and I loved everything that she said. I can't wait to unpack this on Friday, so make sure to come back if you want to hear what I took away. That'll be up on Friday called Highlighting the Five Minutes, but I enjoyed everything that she said today and I hope you guys took away some things as well. I will see you next time.